Welcome to the RPG Bot Podcast. I'm Randall James, your Arcana Unearther, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Welcome to our once uh, a few months topic of did Watsy get it right? <laughs> Check back in next week. No, I'm kidding. We're here. We're here now. <laughs> we're gonna do, we're gonna do oh, some God. unearthing. A new UA every week would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that, for everybody involved. For literally everybody. Way too much. I mean. It- yeah, yeah. It was that very so briefly. <laughs> and it was a nightmare. So here's the question I'm going to ask at the top of the show. What exactly was this Arcana buried in? Paper? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. you're asking. Like, well, the name on Earth Arcana. Who's, I, was, like, I, was going, yeah. I was going for a negative connotation, a positive connotation. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, uh, no, it, it's fine. It's 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 ringing endorsement. You heard it. it, All right. It's buried in fine. (laughs) All right, Tyler. What? (laughs) (laughs) It was it was rich soil. Good things you grow. You know, you 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 take the good, you take the bad, and there you have the facts of life. (laughs) (laughs) And that's basically what it was buried in. All right, Tyler. What do we get in this thing? All right. Okay. So, Unearthed Arcana Player's Handbook Number Seven. So, this is the seventh Unearthed Arcana in the One D and D playtest. In this one, we got five classes. They are the Barbarian, Fighter, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard. Now, now you'll notice this is the exact same list as Unearthed Arcana Number Five. Uh, our last episode covering on our, the One D and D playtest was immediately following Unearthed Arcana Number Six. So, like that was all of the other classes this is five the other one was six seven six six feels right who can count (laughs) not me apparently i ran out of fingers so yeah like that's good news honestly (laughs) um so a lot of things have been carried forward from unearthed arcana number five Uh, number five was notably the controversial one where they uh they really changed the warlock uh, to put it gently, yeah, they did. They did some skewering of my boy, <laughs> which I didn't appreciate. All right, so we're gonna get into what what has changed from the 2014 rules. So, like, if you haven't if you haven't listened to our previous episode on one D and D, you're gonna be okay. But still, go back and listen to it anyway because it covers all of the other classes and everything you've missed in the playtest so far. We'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Should we jump in with barbarian? I I think that makes a ton of sense. Let's get into it. So most of the changes to the Barbarian uh, that we saw in the previous playtests, most of them have actually been reverted. So it's actually really, really close to the 2014 Barbarian with the addition of the optional class features from Tasha's. Yeah, the thing that caught me off guard, I don't know if you folks noticed this. So 2014 Barbarian, you can extend your rage by taking damage. (laughs) They removed that and instead gave you the option to continue your rage with a bonus action. So I, I don't know if that was like a, a very intentional, we don't actually like the idea of people stabbing themselves <laughs> to keep raging. Like I punch myself in the face and I keep going. Or, it, you know, and they were like, okay, just use your bonus action. You weren't going to do anything good with it anyway if there wasn't anybody to attack. And that way you're still raging next time. It feels, honestly, it feels easier. It's going to be a lot easier to play. It's going to be a lot easier to keep the rage going. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I like that change because, you know, it's something that I noticed on tabletop, but it really came into focus playing Baldur's Gate because 
I don't really play Barbarians all that much, but in the game I do. So one of the things that you can, a situation that you used to be able to get your, that, uh, that you used to find yourself in as a bit, as a Barbarian, is let's say the enemy is out of your your reach, like past where you could move in one turn. You have to use your action to dash just to get up to them, which means you can't attack. Now, you could bonus action rage, but then if that creature decides not to attack you that turn, your rage is gone immediately, which sucks. But if I don't rage and I get up to that person, the guy who attacks me, is not. if he does attack me, that is full damage to me. So it was kind of a really bad choice for barbarians to find themselves in. So I'm glad that they addressed that because... I think that was a substantial problem with the barbarians. See, I, I guess I didn't view it as a problem so much as like, this is a limitation of rage. This is a limitation of the class. It didn't, like in my games, I don't feel like it comes up that often. But when it does, I feel like it's a lot of fun to watch the barbarian work through the strategy. <laughs> the strategery. This is tactical. No, <laughs> you know, no, actually, honestly, this is tactics, right? Like, yeah. what, what is the tactical thinking of how I'm going to keep my rage going? Where the, the, the last-ditch effort, the thing that you do when all else fails is you deal damage to yourself. I do follow completely your point, though, that, like, I want to get into combat, so am I going to do this weird thing where I, like, run halfway into combat so they have to approach me next time? Uh, probably not. Like, that's also not very satisfying. Yeah, I agree entirely. Yeah, it's... I think yeah, I think you're right. It's a it's a situation that doesn't come up often, but when it did, it felt real bad. And especially with a class that feels like it has such limited options anyway, I don't think that it felt feels like an interesting strat strategy point for the barbarian more than just another tax on the barbarian. Mm. I mean, and I don't really also I don't have a lot of options to deal with creatures that are out of my range anyway. So yeah this is even one more reason why fighting against flying things sucks as mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you could follow uh in tyler's footsteps <laughs> and just leap up there and grab them mm-hmm. uh, that always works <laughs> one of the things that was interesting in this is uh I, I don't want to let it go rage went from one minute to 10 minutes i was talking to tyler about this earlier and i'm like that who cares right <laughs> like when do you ever have combat going longer than a minute and, and if it's really going longer than a minute sure burn another rage because this is probably some real combat uh and tyler you made a really interesting point about this yeah so one of the things barbarians have always struggled with is what do you do outside of combat and generally the answer is either nothing or break things so watsi has decided that in addition to being a combat buff rage now also makes barbarians good at skills so it lets you use strength instead of your other ability score modifiers for several skills on that list are cool things like acrobatics so you can do angry cartwheels and perception so that you can rage notice things i guess can you intimidate? Uh, I believe that is also on the list. I should have kept the list up. Um, also, if, if you can't, you can now. <laughs> Barbarians should be good at intimidation. They should it just makes be good no at sense intimidation. if they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's also important to keep in mind um, rage gives you advantage on strength checks. So since all of these skills are now strength checks, you also get advantage on all of them. So like for that 10 minutes, which is awesome. Yeah. For that 10 minutes, you're really, really good at these skills. Even if you're not proficient, it's awesome. Yeah. And that seems to be a a trend for this document is 
Watsi is seemingly trying to address the Marshall problem. Mm-hmm. If you're not a rogue, <laughs> having skill sets that are very designed about around combat encounters and not much else else, because when we talk about fighters, fighters also got some out of combat stuff that helps them, mm. because, which I think is uh, the right direction to go, because I think uh, one of the main criticisms of fifth edition was if you're playing a barbarian or a fighter you don't really have a lot to do outside of combat. So you're basically getting to the situation where the barbarians in the back, are like, can we crush his skull yet? <laughs> no. God dang it. Uh, I crave violence. One minute later. Now. <laughs> well, and, and it's now? worth saying, like we've, we've <laughs> talked about this on the show a, a couple times, like the long-term meta of tabletop role-playing games is that folks are more and more, uh, getting very exciting about the role play aspect as much as they are combat. Like early days, things were super, super combat focused. And so this is again, yeah. like another great step of saying, we built these characters in the classic sense where what they are is rage and violence machines. <laughs> but sometimes it's fun to be good at something outside of combat because for a lot of tables, that's where folks are having the most fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's right. Like at the beginning of 5th edition's lifespan, it was more of like combat focused and i think that was a long for a long time that was kind of true of D in general but thanks to stuff like critical role and all of this other stuff that shows how powerful D drama and role-playing can mm-hmm. be and how much fun it is people have started to do that more and more and the and as a result the barbarians and the fighters who are kind of like the experts at the thing that everybody was doing are now kind of sidelined <laughs> so they're also you know historically not quite as good as violence mm. They're also historically not quite as good at violence as the wizard, but I digress. That's true. It's it's hard to be as good as the guy who's the best at everything. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some other that cool stuff true. here <laughs> in, in the barbarian group. So the world tree barbarian, I, I liked a lot. I, I think Tyler, you had a slightly different take on it than I did. Um, okay. It's a really, really cool concept. I love most of the features. Uh, so world tree barbarian, this is a brand new subclass. We got a brand new subclass in the Arnorth Arcana. That's going to be in the player's handbook, which cool. I'm excited. Most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Most of the subclasses. Awesome. Um, one of the high level features lets you, you and your friends teleport to the nearest teleportation circle to a place that you want to go potentially on a different plane of existence. So like one of the examples is, or one of the examples it gives is the city of brass on the plane of fire. So you can just be like, I would like to go to the city of brass, please. And the feature will put you in the closest teleportation circle to the city of brass. Whose teleportation circle? Who cares? You're a barbarian. And yeah, that raises all kinds of plot problems around teleportation circles because they're supposed to be like very secretive and like you do, you work really, really hard to keep your, your essentially phone number secret so that random barbarians don't show up in your house. And now it's just like, oh yeah, world tree barbarian. I'm just, (laughs) yeah. Worst telemarketers ever. (laughs) Oh, Door door salesman, I'm in your house. You want a vacuum? No? Uh. See, I I see it as a story opportunity. First of all, it's a 15th level power. Not a lot of barbarians are going to have this, and it's for a specific class, barbarians. So realistically, this isn't going to affect too much, I feel, especially if, um, I mean, depending on the game that you're running. But, like, I think it's honestly kind of funny and you as a DM could be creative with it that where like you suddenly teleport into a genie a genie's like, you know, palace and like, what the heck are you doing <laughs> here? That's a risk that 
uh, that's a risk that players are taking. So you can feel free to punish it mm-hmm. if you so choose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like you're building like Ocean's Eleven the campaign. <laughs> Everybody's like, why is the idiot barbarian here? It's like, he's good at getting in. <laughs> he can't get you out though. He's not. He's not good at getting in. Like exactly <laughs> where you want to go, but sort of mm-hmm. there. <laughs> And then we want to go just... to the Bellagio. He's taking us to the MGM Grand. I hope you're okay with that. But then he will tunnel through with his fists. Sure will. <laughs> I, I, I like the World Tree Barbarian. Uh, one of the other cool uh, features that I really liked, it's called Branches of the Tree. Mm-hmm. It, the, the idea of the class is basically there is a World Tree. Uh, I want to say it's an ash because it's always an ash. <laughs> ash. They... I am everywhere. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, their power is drawn from it, and they're tied to it, and so they get a bunch of cool things. Like one of them, I, I forget what, what this was called, but basically they can reach an extra five feet, and they get some of the cool uh, weapon masteries. Like they just get to pick like these two or three plus whatever your weapon gets. Mm-hmm. So great. I've got reach. I can get out to 10 feet, and I can do this. But the one I want to talk about, branches of the tree. It's a reaction. If a creature ends their turn within 20 feet of you, you can just teleport them to within five feet of you. It's the scorpion maneuver. Get over here. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. A hundred percent. And so, like, that that's one piece of it. It's like, oh, you wanted to get away from me. Eh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Come back. Let's have a conversation on my next turn. Uh, it's also cool for, like, and, and I'm actually curious about how would you use this for your allies? Are there situations where you feel like characters are not getting engaged with melee because they don't want the opportunity cost of having to get out of melee and they're worried about dying? Well, a good example of this would be, let's say your fighter is out of range of the healer or whatever, or you're trying to retreat and he's just surrounded by all of the bad stuff. So even if he would try to disengage, he can't move because he's surrounded. Now, once he ends his turn after like doing a good buy hit on his enemies, you just yoink him over to you. And, and that like that feels awesome. It feels like a worthwhile thing to have where like the team strategy can be built around this feature. Let's hit pause and see what's up with Tyler. One other thing that I was thinking about is imagine I get myself next to the cliff's edge, you know, a really far drop. And then I look and I see an enemy that's within 20 feet of me, maybe engaged with one of my allies, and I'd rather them not be there. So what I do is I pull them, and I put them between me and the nothingness. And then on my next turn, because I'm raging and I'm a barbarian, I get advantage on strength checks, I shove them. <laughs> You've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3, have you? <laughs> I, I, I haven't, but I live for it. Like, that's, like, yeah. I've got a height advantage. Okay, so in our uh, our last, no, two sessions ago in our ongoing campaign, Tyler did exactly that to a monster who had literally dropped three of the players to one hit points with a fireball. It was beautiful. Just into the void. Problem solved. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking I've created a TPK situation, and then gravity fixed it for me. <laughs> So I do want us to move on because we can't spend a bunch of time on just one class. But for highlights on the rest of the Barbarian, uh, Frenzy is good now. Doesn't exhaust you anymore. So that's good. The Totem Warrior was rechanged to Wild Heart Barbarian. A lot of people are saying, hey, wait a minute. That's what they named it in Baldur's Gate 3. Why are they ripping it off? It's like, uh, actually, apparently, according to Jeremy Crawford, he worked with Larian to name it that because that was the name that they were going to work with for this one. I think 
it is to to get away from like the cultural appropriation of native peoples because you know totems tend to be associated with first nations people yeah so absolutely. they changed it to Wildheart, which i think actually is kind of a better name in my opinion than totem yeah it's cool and, and they fixed and a lot of language up and is, down yeah yeah, yeah. and uh zealot is honestly unchanged really from its original incarnation so mm-hmm. overall yeah, barbarian uh, not a lot of changes but the ones that were were pretty good yeah, we should call out, so there's going to be four subclasses for each class in the player's handbook. So the four for the Barbarian are Berserker, Wildheart, formerly Totem Warrior. So those are the two that were in the 2014 PHP. Uh, we're getting the new World Tree Barbarian, and also the Zealot will be in the player's handbook. Oh, there is one more elephant in the room we should probably talk about, which is, I know Tyler has thoughts on this. Brutal Critical? Oh, yeah, Okay. So Watsi cannot figure out what to do with Brutal Critical. In the absolute best case scenario, each Brutal Critical die adds about one damage total per round. And it's intended to be the Barbarian's big high-level damage boost that keeps them relevant past level 10 compared to fighters and paladins and literally everybody else. And it straight up doesn't do that because mathematically insignificant uh they experimented with a flat numerical boost in ua number five apparently people didn't like that as much so they change it back but now it's just you get a d12 instead of an extra weapon damage die so barbarians are no longer locked into great axes at high levels it's still not a great feature at the very least now you could use a sword maybe i don't know how you would fix this and make them relevant but what if brutal critical in addition to adding extra damage increases over time your threshold for critting because it does feel weird to give them extra damage for something that happens pretty rarely so Mm -hmm. if you're going to say well they get when they have criticals it's really special yeah how about we get more of those though (laughs) yeah so yeah make them crit on 19 or 20 i love that yeah yeah and then maybe their maybe a capstone is 18 to 20 that would be great yeah (laughs) yeah What if you, what if you roll that one d twelve with advantage? Yeah. That would be kind of neat. Okay, couple couple extra points <laughs> of damage there too. Yeah, yeah. What are the odds they you can roll make two ones? Barbarians are hard to balance in the late game. Like they just they really mm-hmm. fall off hard after like level eleven. I want to say so. Yeah, that is a problem that they've had their entire lifespan. So hopefully they figure out a solution for it. Their short, short, angry lifespan. (laughs) We got fighters. Yeah, let's talk about fighters. Okay. So everybody loves a fighter thematically. Everybody loves a fighter. I think it's the the most popular pick in D&D right now. Yeah. Human Fighter has been the most popular character in every edition of D&D for as long as there has been D&D. Because if you're (laughs) going to learn to play the game, you pick the race that you identify with the most, which is the one that you are, and you pick the class that has the least things you need. (laughs) Yeah, all right. I picked an automaton, got it. And then you pick the class that has the least things you need to learn. So, you know. My first 
race and class combination was tiefling warlocks. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, I had a I had a great conversation with a friend of mine about 15 years ago, where uh, you know it it was confession of like nerdery when you spend a lot of your life thinking like oh yeah like I'm I'm the elf of the party and then you look around at everybody you look at your hairline you look at how tall you are kind of the build you're building you're like you know what I just realized I'm the dwarf. <laughs> and that's a point you hit in your life. Just yeah, there you go. Nothing wrong All right. with dwarves. Dwarves are great folk. Yeah. <laughs> we we mine, we drink beer. All right. Great beards. So, so great fighters. Beer. Yes, famously. So fighters. All right. So um when Weapon Mastery was first introduced in UA number five, the fighter was intended to be the master of weapon mastery. Like they, they were very clear in all the interviews around the thing saying like, yes, uh, weapon mastery is going to be a thing that's available to basically all martial classes, some caster classes, if they're good. And if they ask nicely on Christmas, then war clerics can get it. So fighters were going to get to do extra cool things like change the weapon masteries on their weapons and switch between them mid-combat and cool stuff like that so like they, they got a bunch of cool stuff in ua number five some of that has gone away uh like they scaled that back so like okay maybe we're a little overzealous fighters do still get more weapon masteries than other classes like by level 20 they have two more of them than anybody else so you'll end up with six weapons that you've mastered and you're like oh man i can't decide what to kill you with <laughs> Weapon Mastery is like the coolest thing that I think I've seen them do addressing issues for marshals in general. And mm-hmm. yeah. any walk back whatsoever in my mind is like, absolutely not. You had it. Like you had the flavor right and then you, went, <laughs> you changed the recipe on it. And I don't want to drink new Coke anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. <laughs> Fix it. Yeah. Bring it back. And at, the, at this point, if you take away <laughs> Weapon Masteries, fighters will take a severe nerf because they rely on it quite a lot in this and it's a great feature for them to use so don't walk it back it's great and keep weapon masteries add more yeah um i i don't think they're going to get rid of weapon mastery so one of the things that the fighter could do in ua number five was they could add another weapon mastery to one of their weapons and then you could change which one you used each time you hit so like your your sword could have like vex and nick so like you could be good at two weapon fighting and you could give yourself advantage on your next attack and it's great so fighters can't do that anymore which is a shame and honestly i don't know why they walked that back because like world tree barbarian gets a thing that does that i believe there's a specific fighter subclass like the brawler the brawler gets to do with with improvised weapons literally you can put three weapon masteries on a chair but you can't put it on a longsword oh that makes sense don't yeah (laughs) yeah so i i I would like them to bring that back though how do i invoke a weapon mastery it's just whenever you hit. If you have weapon mastery with that weapon, when you hit with an attack with it, you uh, you can choose to apply the mastery effect. Perfect. Awesome. Let's see. Okay, so we've got four subclasses for the fighter. So battle master, crowd favorite since the PHB launched. Brawler, which is new. So we got another brand new subclass. Champion, which was also in the 2014 PHB and was basically the bog standard like here. This is your first time playing D&D. Here's your character. We heard um, you like fighter. Here's more fighter in your fighter. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, what if you took a fighter and turned them into a really dull ball of math and threw them at problems? Champion. So uh, yeah, they made some upgrades there. Some of the class feature or 
sorry, some of the subclass features basically didn't function, so they changed the wording on those, so they actually did what they're intended to do, so champions are a bit better. Eldritch Knight got some tweaks so that they're more easily able to cast spells and attack at the same time. Battlemaster, like, their maneuvers just got adjusted, so everything's rebalanced, and more of the the bad options are better now. I do want to briefly touch on Brawler because yeah. it looks like a lot of fun. It really does. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like a class that I've never been interested in fighter, ever. It's the one class that I don't think I've ever made a character for because I've never been interested in it. But I do want to play an, I do want to play a Brawler fighter now <laughs> because it looks like it looks so much fun because one of the things that I've been enjoying myself with in Baldur's Gate is using improvised weapons and throwing people at other people and using people as weapons. It's mm-hmm. very fun. <laughs> um, so the fact that you can just make a whole play style, I've been wanting something like this for a long time because improvised weapons are like outside the tavern brawler, which was fine. It never really felt like a play style that you could really make viable. And now you kind of can. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Uh, one thing I will say to it is that it makes monks even more relevant now. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have a mechanical deep dive article on the UA coming sometime this week. Uh, it might be out before the podcast is. And I mentioned in there how back in 3.5, there was this kind of joke that the best way to build a monk was to build an unarmed fighter. And it, it's it's good to see that Watsi still understands that wisdom. They're delivering. They're, they're, they're delivering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to that article. You'll be able to find it. Yeah. I will say the strangest thing about the brawlers they they get improved unarmed strike damage, and everything else about the subclass says don't bother using unarmed strikes. Hit people with rocks. Yep. Yeah, take a chair and beat them over the head with it. Or take their dead buddy and beat them with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, almost, I almost wonder if, if that's like a, in case you have that DM that's like, well, there, there's nothing here. Like, it's Icewind Dale, you're in the middle of the tundra, there's no rocks, there's only snow, and snowballs don't count as weapons. Ah, in that boo. case, great, you get the improved <laughs> unarmed strikes, but we all have to recognize, I'm just going to carry a chair leg with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah um pf1 has a feat called razor sharp chair leg for exactly those situations (laughs) that's that's a very specific feat it really is (laughs) bringing it back bringing it back all right is it time to talk about the sorcerer I think it is. Time to talk about the sorcerer. Tyler, take it away. (laughs) No, I'm going first because I have strong feelings here. Uh, They're they're doing metamagic tweaks. Uh, I loved how that's how how Tyler put it in our show notes. Metamagic tweaks. Like, what I do, sometimes I go outside and I tweak my engine, and by tweak my engine, I mean I pour gasoline over the entire thing and light it on fire. Just fireball. (laughs) I tweaked it. (laughs) That's, That's how I feel. That's what's happening here. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you that uh, some of the changes are bad. Like Twin Spell, the changes they made to Twin Spell is bad, and I hate it. Okay, <laughs> okay. So for, for okay. folks at home, the way the way that you the, the way you used to Twin Spell things, it's like I take a spell that I can only target one thing with, and now I target two things with it, and that feels good because I have a lot of spells mm-hmm. like Firebolt where that's a thing I would like to do. There was that weird situation where there are some spells where if you cast it at a higher level. It targets multiple people, so you can cast it at the base level, 
and you could twin spell it and hit two people like haste. Haste is a great example. Mm-hmm. But if I cast it at a higher level, I can no longer twin spell it. Now, the only spells that you can twin spell are spells that if you cast at a higher level, you can hit more than one person with it. You took twin spell and you ruined it. It's broken now. <laughs> I never did that. You solved a problem I didn't have. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I honestly didn't think it was... I don't know what their logic on that was. Like, I feel like they are trying to address a problem that nobody had. No one was complaining that Twin Spell was overpowered and broken. I think everybody kind of were like, yes, it is overpowered and broken, but that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a real sour puss DM, which I'm coming <laughs> for you, no one was complaining about the spell. I have a hypothesis. Every UA, they're going to put in something so broken, something outrageous, so dumb that the community is like, I can't help but write feedback on this entire thing because of what you have done to my sacred cow. They're literally taking the the fastest way to get the right answer is be wrong on the internet, and they're weaponizing it for feedback. That is the only way that this change makes sense. That, okay. that that is actually that's like when in you in YouTube uh, videos where they intentionally mispronounce things so that people get into the comments and be like, "You idiot! It's it's pronounced like this." Like, thank <laughs> you for the engagement. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh gosh, I posted I posted a video about Baldur's Gate recently just to see what would happen, and uh, like I went back and watched it after I uploaded it literally like first five words i mispronounced boulders like builder or something baldar <laughs> oh god i heard that just say what was it just a sea of comments of like you idiot it's boulder. not a peep <laughs> Has played yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so, so so let's talk about twin spell real quick so ui5 they tried to they tried to fix it and they explained like Stuff like twinned haste was way more powerful than we intended, and the fact that those options are so good that you can't really justify doing anything else is a problem. So, like, they're trying to weaken it so that you can justify doing something else with that time and resource. Um, so, what they Boo. did in UA, oh, you're you're gonna hate this. You're gonna hate this. So, what they did with twin spell in UA five is if you cast a spell on your next turn, you can recast the same spell. And instead of spending a spell slot, you can spend you can use the meta magic and spend a number of sorcery points equal to the spell's level to recast the spell. So like you could fireball and then next next turn, three sorcery points, another fireball. Wait, hang on, can hang you, on. What's that thing can, that I can, can do? Just recast the spell? No, 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 no. Uh, I cannot do a thing where I take sorcery points and I turn them into a spell slot. Into spell slot, yeah. You sure yeah, can. Can you excuse can you excuse me for just a second? Oh God, I hate that change. That is an <laughs> awful change. Yeah. So Jesus. they walked that one back. I mean, no, so no, it's no. it's a more as they good. should. It's a more efficient use of sorcery points and converting them to a spell slot and then recasting it. But yes, I agree with you. That's not fun. That's not what twin spell does. That's echoed spell from three five. <laughs> You know, the more these playtests go on, the more I'm realizing that anytime they change things, people are like, boo, keep it the way it was. <laughs> Not always. So, Everybody loves so weapon mastery. 
No, I, yeah, I know not always, but most of the time, like Barbarian is back to the 2014 version. Um, most, you know, yeah. So it's just like I realize why they stopped calling it one D and D because it's basically just five point five at yeah. this point. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I also I do want to pick on Quicken right quick because that's also a huge fan favorite. I know I love it when I played a sorcerer. Like Quicken was my jam. Quicken and Tin Spell were like that. That was everything I did. Um makes sense i can't quicken a cantrip in the same turn that i used a level spell yep yeah the the expectation is you quicken the leveled spell to make it a bonus action and functionally functionally it is exactly the same as it was in the 2014 rules but the 2014 rules and then like the limitation on bonus action spell casting time was so confusing that the majority of the community sincerely believed you could cast two leveled spells on the same turn using quicken spell which is definitely not the case so well, basically well, no. all they've done is they've made the wording incredibly incredibly restricted you can still do the actions in either order so it really doesn't matter you still get your two spells Okay, actually, Tyler, I think we may have read this differently. The way that I read this, okay. that even if it's a cantrip, mm-hmm. if I quicken the cantrip for a bonus action, my action on that turn cannot be casting a leveled spell. And vice versa, I couldn't cast... Oh, is that, is that the gap in the wording? Okay, you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Cue the music. Yeah, so it is confused a little bit obtusely here, but I get what mm-hmm. what what uh, <laughs> what uh, Tyler is saying, and that is that um, yeah. So it's basically just calling out like you can ca- you can still cast a cantrip and then quick and cast a leveled spell. You just can't cast two leveled spells on the same turn. That's exactly. basically what they're saying. It's just phrased in a way that immediately gets your hackles up, like what. They're changing it, but it's like no. Quicken spell is the same. It's just it, they are clarifying some language that was taken yeah. advantage of. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, either taken advantage of or misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. And this is a, it's a little bit wonky. I think everything's mm-hmm. fine. Every everybody at home, everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> Except yeah, twin the wording. The wording well, is can... though. Well, well, yeah. Twin spells still broken. I'm very angry about it. But quicken may be okay. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to be clear. What this says is the. Bonus action has to be the leveled spell. Yeah. The action has to be the yeah. cantrip. The bonus action has to be the leveled spell. That and is given true, what yes. we're doing yeah. here, that makes no sense. Like, I'm, I can imagine a DM doing the, well, like, well, technically, you just cast the, the cantrip as a, a bonus action. So I'm not going to be able to allow you to cast the leveled spell as an action. Mm-hmm. And then you threaten to leave. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it just means that you have to pay you have to pay more attention when you're doing that stuff like but again you're still getting a cantrip and a spell they just don't want you like casting a level spell and being like oh it's still alive i'm just gonna do bare minimum damage with a with a quickened cantrip to finish it off which you know that's a very niche situation but at the same time like uh, uh, i you're still getting the same amount of stuff you just have to make sure that you're casting your cantrip as your action rather than your leveled spell if you want if you know you're going to quicken a spell yeah i i i think that's pretty easy to do to say i'm always going to use the bonus action because i wasn't going to use the bonus action for anything else i i'm hoping folks at home okay Two things. If they keep the language this way, I'm hoping we all collectively agree one cantrip, one leveled spell per turn. That's how we're going to enforce this because this language is stupid. 
Uh, and follow up, <laughs> I really hope that they just make it very clear. Quicken spell does not allow you to cast more than one level spell per turn. Level spell and cantrip to your heart's content. Language done. This. Yeah, makes me sad. Doesn't spark joy. <laughs> yeah, it's not phrased very well. I think in their effort to try to clear up some misconceptions, they made it more confusing. So maybe do another pass at this, editors. I don't think mm. you're there yet. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a few of those in this. It's like I I eventually understood what you were trying to say here, but sometimes it feels like the the text was passed through Google Translate and back a couple of times. Like it's one of those situations. Yeah. Or my how do I fix just this? My brain just immediately ties itself into a knot. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Rules so are sub- hard. Subclasses. Yes. Let's do. Yeah. Let's do subclasses. Okay. All right. So, like every other class, yep. we get four subclasses. I, only two I see. In this document, there are only two in this document, so they pulled a sneaky on us. So they gave us the updated version of Draconic Sorcery, which I misspelt in the show outline. I'll fix that later. They, <laughs> it works. I I tried to say dra- dragon magic, and it's like, no, they changed it. Dragonic Sorcery. There we go. Perfect. So, yeah, that got some, uh, some improvements because, like, the concepts are really great on Draconic Sorcery, but, like, the number of sorcery points for things didn't, didn't, makes sense it wasn't justifiable and the fact that you had to spend sorcery points to activate your damage resistance like why that's mean so like they they yeah. fix some of those things so it's much nicer to play they updated wild magic the biggest problem with wild magic and like i called this out in our our subclass breakdown article biggest problem with wild magic sorcerer is you have to ask the dm's permission to roll for wild magic and then you have to roll a d20 and get a 20 to trigger the thing so it's like you only get to have fun five percent of the time with your dm's permission so yeah yeah, now it's whenever you want or at least whenever whenever you cast a leveled spell whenever you want you get to roll the d20 Uh, so yeah way more wild magic your dm doesn't get to say no anymore yeah, I mean that's fireball your version of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot happier with it. Okay, and then yeah, the two the uh, two sirs not appearing in this film, um Aberrant Mind and Clockwork Soul, both from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. There's just a a footnote that says, "Yeah, grab Tasha's, use those." Great. <laughs> like cool. the, Yeah, they're both really good, but I'm they like they reasonably need some updates. Yeah, if we're doing that, then an unchanged then can we mm-hmm. give some subclass specific spells that are always prepared like those two classes have because yeah <laughs> otherwise it makes aberrant soul sorcerer and uh, clock, uh aberrant mind and clockwork soul way more powerful than the other sorcerer classes because you yeah. get very limited spells as a sorcerer and these guys get free spells so can we get some free spells for draconic sorcerers and wild magics as well That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks, Watsy. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, this idea was half baked. Like they needed, they need to make some adjustments, either bring draconic sorcerer and wild magic up to aberrant mind and clockwork soul or bring aberrant mind and clockwork soul down or find a middle ground. But like, as things stand kind of unacceptable, like this isn't okay. It feels like when in school when you're like, yeah, just look at my last essay that I did like a year ago. I'm going to just tack it on here. It feels like you just didn't yeah. you wanted an excuse to not do your homework. Do your homework. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally all they had to say was, yeah, just remove the extra spells and that would have been okay-ish. 
That would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been my preferred solution. Yeah. Just give them just give just give the other two subclasses free spells. You yeah. don't break a lot. Just give them some free spells. Like it, if it was one per spell <laughs> level, honestly, like that that would still feel super satisfying. Like people like Aberrant Mind Clockwork Soul because of the extra spells. Give that to all of the other subclasses. It's yeah. really fun. You get to give them thematically appropriate spells so you don't have like, ah, yes, I'm a draconic sorcerer and absolutely none of my spells deal elemental damage because I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, and also it's, it, like, it feeds into the fantasy a little bit more. I mean, warlocks get those free spells and they have mm-hmm. two spell slots. Come on, just give it to the sorcerers <laughs> too. Yeah. So speaking of, should we talk about warlocks? Yeah, okay. You guys remember what they did in UA5? Yes. Right. I'm gonna do so I'm gonna do something uh real quick before we talk about warlocks. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for bringing back packed magic. Yeah. That was the best decision you've made in your entire career, Watsy. Thank you for bringing it back. It was a mistake what you did last time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the right choice is to choose to do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Warlocks are fine. <laughs> Next best is backtrack. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so their intent with moving away from pack magic is like warlock players have historically complained. I don't get to cast my leveled spells frequently enough, which yeah, you picked a warlock. That's the trade. So switching to making them half caster means that they have more spell slots over the course of a day and can therefore cast their leveled spells more frequently. But the problem is without the packed magic progression where like you only have a few spell slots, but they're all really high level. And then with Mystic Arcanum becoming an invocation to accommodate those changes, it broke everything else about the Warlock. Like, you very suddenly had this very confused, half-baked, half-caster where nothing really fit together, and it, it, it just did not work. Yeah, so I've heard this complaint a lot about, like, you picked a Warlock, you're just not going to be able to cast spells a lot. Are people not using short rests? I feel like I use short rests all the freaking time and yeah. that feel it feels bad to blame a player for not being not being able to do short rest rather than the dm if you mm-hmm. have a warlock player give them short rests that's not yeah. on the players that's on the dm i'm sorry here's what i'll say uh pacing is really difficult getting it right where people feel like they generally have had the resource attrition so they need to take a short rest and use hit die this sort of thing it's hard. Like I think a lot of that, I think that's the hardest thing to do as a DM in 5e. I say this, say eventually not, we should put a podcast episode out about it. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> denying that pacing is hard, but guess what? That's your job as a DM. Figure it out. I don't have any sympathy for you. I'm sorry. Um, you had one job. So okay. You had eight jobs. <laughs> this was one you of them. One job. And if you're worried about getting, if you're worried about giving people too many short rests, I feel two short rests per long rest. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Two short rests. That's enough to make your warlock happy, and you've done your job as a DM. And all you have to say is like, maybe a short rest is like a half an hour or an hour of just catching your breath. It really doesn't disrupt the session all that much. I mm-hmm. feel there's no excuse for DMs to not give their players short rests. I, I think that's the thing that folks have to realize is like, you don't have to RP the short rest because it's everybody tired. Whew. Okay, roll hit dice. You feel better? All right, let's go, everybody. That took 10 seconds just <laughs> yeah. now. Like, we did it. We yeah. did a short rest. Yeah. Exactly. I, you don't have to you can, play it out. Yeah, Yeah. borrow from PF2 where you can refocus while doing another activity. Um, just say, like, oh, yeah, you guys want to stop and search the room? Would you like to also take a short rest while you do that? Yes. Yes, we would. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Thank I'm, you, Benevolent DM. <laughs> I'm running a, 
a Pathfinder 2 game right now. I have never run one before, but it's going pretty well. And, you know, after every battle, they stop. They take some time to, like, heal up their wounds because healing up mm-hmm. wounds is really important and takes time in Pathfinder 2. And it doesn't disrupt the session all that much. It no. feels fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I feel like it's that the, their, their reticence to, like, steer away from short rests is a problem that a few groups that had very strict DMs were having. And that's kind of where my frustration with a lot of the changes lies. Like you're trying to appease the like 10% of people who were very loudly complaining about a problem that most people didn't have. So I don't know. That was, that's just my (laughs) thought. I think the good, they did find a good middle ground with the cunning magical cunning, which Mm -hmm. for DMS who don't like using short rests, you're not going to feel completely useless as a warlock, but yeah, so I feel like they they found a good middle ground, but it is what it is. All right, so let's talk about those subclasses. Oh, no, let's talk about invocations first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so invocations, one of the coolest parts of Warlocks. Like, they have, not counting spells, they have more decision points than any other class in 5e, which just makes them a ton of fun to build and play. So, first, your Warlock Pact has gone away. That's no longer a class feature baked into the class. So if you don't want to have a pact, you don't have to. Now it's an invocation. And in exchange for that, Warlocks get two more invocations total. Hmm. Notably, you get one invocation at level one now. You still get two at level two. So, like, mostly an additive change. Uh, the pacts, the pact invocations have been rebalanced a little bit. Pact of the Blade now does the Hexblade thing, where you use Charisma for attack and damage with one weapon. Uh, so, hey, Hexblade's way more of a problem now. Okay, okay, real quick. Give folks at home, like, the 30-second version, what is an invocation for a warlock? Okay, so invocations are basically warlock-specific feats. Um, you usually get them every even-numbered level in the 2014 rules. With this change, you'll get one at first level, two at second level, and then one more at every even-numbered level after that until, I think, level 18, I want to say. Um, and then they let you get cool things like uh, Devil's Sight, which lets you see a magical darkness, and famously Agonizing Blast, which lets you add charisma to your Eldritch Blast damage. But hey, they changed that too. Agonizing Blast can now be any damaging cantrip, and you can change the cantrip every time. It's either when you take a long rest or when you gain a level. So like, if you really, if you're really, really sick of Eldritch Blast, you can put an Agonizing Blast on something else. Put it on Firebolt. Put it on uh, I don't know Frostbite or something. Yeah, get crazy. Yeah, is attractive. Uh, Warlocks just got way better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like th- this feels like a meaningful improvement to the class as a core. Like you can still build functionally the exact same characters that you could in the 2014 rules, but you're not you're not as locked into some of the certain options as you were previously. And hey, you can take multiple packs now. That's cool. Yeah, I think also. From what I can tell, I don't think it's quite there, but I think their biggest problem, which is why they tried to change the Warlock so drastically in the last one, was they were sick and tired of people just dipping into Warlock and not like making it into a dedicated class. I feel like this definitely improves that. Of pe- Obviously, you can still kind of dip in multi-class, but I feel like <laughs> it does... Re- there's more reward for just sticking with Warlock now than there was previously. <laughs> but yeah... It's uh, always going to be a problem with Warlock. It's really uh, they're really front loaded. So yeah, <laughs> if you want if you want to fix that, I guess maybe make things less front loaded with Warlocks. But then people will complain. So 
you know i think they i think they probably could have delayed the pact invocations to like at, at least level two uh, okay so or one, maybe level five when everybody gets their extra attack maybe it, the you have to kind of draw a compromise between like how do we make blade pack warlocks functional at early levels but also not make them a super attractive class dip and i don't know if they've split that hair correctly so i will say though problem where do most folks play most of their levels right like one to ten i think warlock's going to be yeah. a lot of fun to play all the way through those levels uh what they're doing yeah. here i think is only going to make that more fun so sure you know for the 10 percent of groups that actually are going to go one to 20 10%. Wow, that's a lie. Okay, 3% of groups are going to go <laughs> 1 to 20. Maybe you're not having as much fun towards the end, but honestly, you probably fall in love with the character. I uh, I like driving a high-level Warlock. It still feels like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think Warlocks are fun from 1 to 10. After that point, they start to be less fun. But at that point, everybody's multi-classing, so <laughs> it's, uh, that's kind of just the thing once you get to high levels. But yeah, I, I'm with Randall. I think it does make war, uh, the changes they've made make Warlocks more interesting to play fully from 1 to 10. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that does scare me, they introduced a new invocation. It's like Knowledge of the Ancient Ones or something. You get a feat. You can spend one of your invocations to take a feat. The, on, the only caveat, caveat uh, the only restriction is the feat can't have prerequisites. You know what most feats in the 2014 rules don't have? prerequisites well uh-huh. <laughs> remember we've had a few play tests where they're, mm-hmm. they've added a bunch of feats where that is not the case anymore there that are is a lot true. of feats that have prerequisites because they're leaning into that sort of feat tree thing that they mm-hmm. they sort of abandoned in fifth edition uh so they are bringing that back so i think yes if we're going by 2014 rules ooh, uh, there's a lot of ways i can break this <laughs> but i think that the way they're going with feats that's going to be more of a limited selection that people are not expecting it's actually funny that we bring this up because even in the feats section of this UA doc, what do they have? A bit of meta content on feats. Parts of a feat. The first entry in parts of a feat, the prereq. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, so I think they're are, definitely setting there. Yeah. So I think once we get to once we get a dedicated feat document, we are going to see a lot more of those prerequisite stuff that people are not expecting. There's probably going to be some people who are pissed off, but that's just the way that it's going to go because, like, yeah, that that way we don't have some really broken builds with one level dip in warlock. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Look, I feel like it's two, a fair trade. Two levels of warlock to get three feats. It's a pretty good dip. It's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's the yeah. Mitch Hedberg joke. Like you can't please all the people all the time and. Last night, all those people were playing this UA doc. Warlocks are just a really good level dip. They always will be. Yeah. I, I hope they fix Warlock from levels 11 to 20, because that honestly, that's where they suffer the most. Basically, yep. as, soon as, as soon as their spell slots stop advancing, everyone's like, ah, I wish I'd played a wizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That hurts a little. Yeah, but that's when you—that's when you, if you want to do, if you want to live that fantasy, once you hit level ten, start specking into sorcerer. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk subclasses. All right. So we got the same three that were in the 2014 player's handbook. So Archfey, Fiend, Great Old One. In addition, Celestial 
kind of a crowd favorite. A lot of people really, really like the Celestial Warlock for good reason, honestly. So that one's being added to the player's handbook, which I think is a great choice, honestly. Thematically, I really like the Celestial a lot better than the murder knife that is the Hexblade. Yeah, the Hexblade doesn't really have a lot of fantasy to it. I mean, I get that you're no. supposed to be bonded with a sentient weapon, but mm. I've never seen a Hexblade ever play with that. Ever. No. <laughs> I've never seen a Hexblade go past level three. Oh, that is true, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not here for the plot. I'm a paladin. I feel like when Greetings Adventures was still in fourth edition, Nika Howard's first character maybe it was the second character. it was the like the broody gothic character maybe it was a sounds right and they, and they played into the whole like my blade wants murder i have to do blood oh. like that was uh <laughs> very briefly i feel like we had a couple episodes of that and that was fun but yeah that's mm-hmm. literally literally the only time that i've ever seen it yep <laughs> That's about right. Like it was supposed to be published alongside a, a Raven Queen patron, which didn't make it out of Unearthed Arcana. So I wonder if like that's part of the problem. Like there's no pairing there, so the concept just doesn't make sense. Who knows? But the celestial is really cool. Like having that, yeah. playing that opposite against the ideas we normally think of when we think of a warlock. Like oh, you're mm-hmm. celestial aligned. You're good aligned. Like you weren't cool enough to be a cleric, but here we are. How about some high level <laughs> spells and some Eldritch blasts? <laughs> yeah pretty much let's see so so the subclasses didn't see a ton of mechanical changes um the archfey got rebuilt pretty significantly around just using misty step all the time like they really 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 like to use misty step it's they're basically their favorite thing they like to be tricksy and they like to teleport and that is what fair all about apparently i was uh, over so- here now i'm over there it's great yeah, uh, Celestial is basically unchanged. Fiend is mostly unchanged with a couple of like minor quality of life changes. Uh, great old one, they're slightly better telepathy, and they added even more tentacles. Hooray! Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. Let's see. So previously, Great Old One didn't get Hunger of Hadar for free, which felt kind of silly because it's the only spell... Uh, I guess Arms of Hadar. It's one of the only spells that's named after a great old one. So it's like, I am a great old one warlock. Why can't I cast this? Well, now you can. Summon those space tentacles. Woo! <laughs> all right. All right. Can we hit wizards now? Uh, I was, you, you, you've you been we, giddy about wizards the entire time. So I've been very patient. I waited till the end of the alphabet. <laughs> We might as well hit wizards because wizards of the coats has already beaten them up. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So UA number five, they took some really big swings with wizard. They thought, okay, wizards are the master of spells. How do we express that beyond just being really, really insanely good at spell casting? They gave wizards the ability to modify and create their own spells and like there were a list of things that you could do to change the spells and people looked at it immediately and went oh no this isn't okay this is too good you could do things like you can make spells not affect your allies so you could do things like ah here's a wall of force that my friends can walk through here's a wall of fire that they can drag enemies through back and forth completely unharmed we were still in the period where Warlock and Wizard shared a spell list, so Wizards could has- cast Hunger of Hadar, 
and not affect their allies. And Hunger of Adar doesn't create magical darkness. It blinds creatures inside it. So your allies could walk in and be like, oh, look, all my enemies are blinded and taking ongoing damage. This is great for me. So yeah, uh, everyone pretty universally was like, this is, we'd love this, great concept, a little too much. Uh, so Watsi has pulled far back from that, and we're almost all the way back to the 2014 wizard, which... Fine. To be honest, Wizards didn't, didn't need a lot of changes. For, they're they already <laughs> very good. You, you yeah. don't need more, sh- more stuff. <laughs> I guess the one exciting thing to talk about, though, is the mm-hmm. uh, memorizing spells. Yes. Yeah, there, there's a new 5th level feature for Wizard, uh, which is exciting, because normally Wizards stop getting class features at level 2. So level 5, you get this thing called Memorize Spell, which gives you an extra prepared spell per day. And with one minute of focus, you can change your prepared spell to any other spell in your spell book. Now, it's only this one slot. You can't just swap any spell and eventually change your whole spell list. You have one free floating slot that you can change. But it's it's perfect for all those weird spells that you never actually prepare. Like Legend Lore? Why? 100%. Like, I've actually... Okay, and then folks can roast me on the internet for this. Especially bringing new folks in the game... I have constantly said, like, if you're a prepared caster, which I guess everybody's a prepared caster, so that's messed up too now. Yeah. Okay. I hate that, but that's besides the point. Same. 20, 2014, you're a prepared caster, and you're new to the game of Dungeons & Dragons. I will let you cast any spell you have access to as a ritual. Because for new players, they don't know, like, when do I want this RP spell? When do I want this utility spell? Versus being able to do a lot of ton of damage, and they don't know how to balance that the, the spell slots, what, what do I prepare? Being able to just say, you know what, whatever, ritually cast anything you want inside combat. We're going to honor the prepared spell list outside of combat. As long as you have 15 minutes, I'm going to let you figure it out. This, I feel like mechanically is giving me 90% of what I've wanted to give new players, at least for the wizards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. It it fills that exact need. Um, it still uses the existing resource limitations, so your wizard is still burning spell slots instead of just ritual casting everything. But wizards are still also the best at ritual casting, so, you know, we, we still get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love Tyler had the uh, the point, so revivify, right? Uh, within mm-hmm. one minute of them falling, I have to prepare them. So literally, literally, if you fall in combat, I cannot begin transitioning Revivify into that memorized slot and actually raise you. But what I can do is when somebody in the party is like, I could use healing, you can just be like, nah, dog, don't worry about it. I'm swapping in Revivify starting right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, wiz- wizards can't actually cast Revivify, but yeah. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so the, the joke I made, um, wizards can cast Gentle Repose. Gentle Repose extends the timer on how far back you could go to cast a spell that raises a creature from the dead. So if you cast Gentle Repose on someone who just died and just keep them under the effect of that spell... You can bring in Revivify whenever it's convenient. That's even better. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, just I'm drag their dead body. <laughs> yeah, they died. Look, they died less than a minute ago, plus or minus the duration of several castings of Gentle Repose. Yeah. Everything's I, uh, fine. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna let you right now. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna save you, uh-huh. but I'm gonna make really sure we can get you back. <laughs> Look, I'm going to save you like I save leftovers. 
put you in the fridge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Put you in the fridge, take you home and throw you away later. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Uh, they did actually debuff wizards in, in one way. So, I know, right? They took something away from wizards. How dare they? Uh, so the level wow. 18 feature, Spell Mastery, uh, let you pick one first level spell and one second level spell. You could cast them without spending a spell slot whenever you want. Now, this was really great because you could do things like, oh, I'm going to choose Shield as my first level spell, so I can cast Shield as many times as I want. I'm functionally immune to Magic Missile and have a semi-permanent plus 5 AC bonus amazing they realized that's more powerful than they intended they intended for you to do things like magic missile or something like that and yes i agree that was way too powerful so uh they've limited it to spells that you can cast as an action but in exchange you get to change the spells on a long rest which is pretty nice like yeah that that's much more reasonable it's much less crazy powerful but you're also not locked into whatever decision you made which feels good i think i i'm okay with this i'm always a little sad when wizards lose things but i'm okay with this is it a change to that you you only cast them at their base level right uh, no it's always been like that okay i just wanted to yeah. double check yeah um they they did also add to it you always have those spells prepared so you can upcast them if you want previously like you could cast those spells for free they weren't prepared so i hope you didn't pick something that you want to cast in any other way not that so you, you you got a nerf, but you got a buff too. So. Yeah, like it. You're more versatile. Uh, you're less, uh, less spiky. You're, yeah, sure. Yes. Um, you're okay, never, so you're never gonna admit that wizards are overpowered, but they are. No, I say they're overpowered all the time. Look, the oh, game okay. is defined by safer suck spells, and who's best at those? Wizards. Wizards. Yeah. Okay. Sorcerers are pretty good at it too, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> the prejudice you have against sorcerers. I know. So I know. <laughs> All right. It's okay. Okay. Swim spell anymore. Uh, I know. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about wizard subclasses. So um, I ha I'm suppressing my my get off my lawn feeling. Wizards have always gotten an option for every school of magic for as as long as there have been wizards, as far as I know, and schools of magic, like at least back to second edition, you could specialize in a school of magic as a wizard. 2014 PHB. Four. Yeah. Uh, we only get four subclasses. With, okay. Without looking, guys, pick three subclasses that are, you know, three schools of magic that you would leave out of the player's handbook. Which three would you pick? Who's, who's not making the cut? Transmutation. Okay. What's the one where, where I mess with people's brains? Enchantment. Enchantment. Yeah. Let's get rid of that for social reasons. Yeah. Enchantment, <laughs> transmutation, and uh, there was a conjuration was always freaking boring. Okay, mm. no, let's just make conjuration good because conjuration is an awesome <laughs> fantasy theme. That's yeah, my but, it was, that. but the problem was, was that conjuration was focused more on teleportation rather than like actual conjuring of creatures which was bad so yeah if we're, <laughs> if we're going by like 2014 like which i thought were the weakest subclasses for wizard that mm. nobody liked transmutation enchantment and conjuration, conjuration. would be the one okay okay and then I'm, I'm gonna give a slight we're gonna keep conjuration for me with the exception 
of was it like phantasmal force that's an illusion spell right that is an illusion mm-hmm. spell yeah what's the other illusion spells that you really you couldn't live without oh there's so many illusions <laughs> no minor illusion Abs- no absolutely not illusion wizards are the best <laughs> you go sit in the corner sir <laughs> Look, no look illusion magics i, I everybody people at home are just raging right now <laughs> yeah everybody at home can say what they want about freaking evokers or diviners <laughs> i don't give a crap get off my lawn okay illusion <laughs> mages are the best you just need dm who's not a, a stick in the mud okay <laughs> look you need an entire session zero dedicated just to whether or not you get to play an illusionist yes, in but if, you a, if, you, if you have a dm who's willing to work with you on anything mm-hmm. illusion wizards are <laughs> legitimately objectively the best because they can literally do anything so yeah no you're wrong illusion yeah. magics are great if a proper dm is ruling them so no <laughs> i'm glad yeah. i got to hear that rant okay, i will yeah. i will die on this hill my friends all right all right so randall is cutting illusionists and enchantment one more oh, no, gotta we, cut one uh, more rant. transportation no, no. Yeah, tra- yeah, yes. Ah, okay. All right. So okay. me it was transmutation, enchantment, and conjuration. For Randall, it was transmutation, enchantment, and illusion because he's a freaking pleb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> troll. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, so uh, the ones that got cut, conjuration, oh. enchantment. Mm-hmm. I miscounted. There were four that got cut. Sorry, guys. I'll let you down. <laughs> All right, so it was conjuration, enchantment, necromancy transmutation what? yeah <laughs> yep why would you cut necromancy uh what a great question probably because they needed time to think about what they what, wanted what it to they be keep, what they keep abjur uh, okay uh, abjurer yeah diviners dope yeah look they get they get portent and they can downcycle their their uh their spell slots when they cast divination okay. that may be the case but uh-huh. you tell me, what is more iconic to fantasy, a diviner or a freaking necromancer? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, it depends on the kind of fantasy. Look, do you want oh, an undead God. pyramid scheme, or do you want to recruit the crazy old guy who lives in the woods staring into a crystal ball? What do you want in your party? I want to recruit my undead pyramid scheme. Oh, That's look, fair. Evo- oh, look, evokers here. Well, sorry, look, ev- hey. sorry, Evoker stands. Your class is overrated. I'm sorry. <laughs> look, <laughs> Evoker is a is deal all the damage. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, ev- Evoker is a great introductory wizard. You can start by blowing stuff up, and when you're feeling spicy, you can mix in some not explody things. Evokers are the fighters of wizard subclasses. They are <laughs> you basic, okay? You basic. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, objectively, yes. <laughs> no, I get why it's here. But evokers, you've been living in a bubble for too long. This is Ash's soapbox now. You're coming off your high horse. Evokers, (laughs) not that great. (laughs) Illusionist. Woo! Yeah, illusionist stayed. (laughs) All right. 
So, okay, so these four subclasses have all stayed, and basically the only things that have changed is they swapped the level progression a little bit on the Evoker. Abjurer has to actually spend a spell slot to fill their Arcane Ward, so no more, like, cheating that by getting infinite castings of Mage Armor from the Warlock. And um, illusion, the Illusionist thing where they can make an object temporarily real, that also has to be done by spending a spell slot, so no more multi-class into warlock get misty visions to get infinite castings of silent image so you can't do that anymore literally all they've done is patch abuse cases and otherwise these subclasses are exactly the same like okay they've hardly changed i thought you were gonna tell me that if you wanted to change an illusion spell that you've already cast Mm -hmm. to real Mm -hmm. by spending another spell slot i was going to get angry (laughs) no (laughs) that's fine that's fine abuse cases yes okay we can agree on that (laughs) yeah so so basically just (laughs) we realize what you people have done to our beloved game that we love and we've made some changes to ensure that you don't ever do that again how dare fun is wrong Fun is wrong. But but the flip side of that attitude is our intent was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) All right. Bring back Necromancer, please. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, look, we know what's going to be in the first splat book, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Four wizard subclasses. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, man. Just make conjuration better as well. Yeah, so look, we're gonna get in. Conjuration is just really boring. That's all I was gonna yeah. say. Look, decide on teleportation or summoning things, not both. You can't do both well. Pick one. Same with yeah. transmutation. Choose between changing objects into other objects or changing myself into a beast. Pick one. You can't do both. Yeah. Guess what? You could do that as other subclasses if you wanted to. But yeah. like the thing is that like when I first started playing D and D, and I saw necromancy, and I was like, "Ooh, cool! I can summon undead minions." But that's kind of evil. Can I still have a minion army, but be good aligned? Conjuration? Ooh, what? This doesn't. This doesn't have anything to do with conjuring. No, <laughs> it just does stuff that teleports. Like, so basically, summon the, all the summon spells that they have. There's no subclass for it, which feels nope. dumb. <laughs> so, there's be a lot of fun. Circle of the. Circle of the Shepherd Druid. That's it's not not a it's wizard. Not the same thing. It's not the I same know, thing. I know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna make my call now. We're going to get an advanced player advanced players guide <laughs> with two additional subclasses per class. Like they're leaving enough out that's basically fully mm-hmm. baked. There's a full product there. We're ready to go. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they'll announce it in January of 2025. All right, so let's uh, let's real fast just touch on a couple like very small things. One big spell change was made. Counter spell. Yeah, people have very, very strong opinions about Counterspell. As 5e has progressed, they've gradually moved away from spellcasting enemies actually casting spells, and they've moved in favor of spellcasting-like actions. So, like, an enemy warlock, instead of, it casts Eldritch Blast, it has some special action called, like, Blast of the Eldritch, or something that's exactly the same, but somehow not a spell. So you can't counter those which is nonsense and annoying, and they haven't changed Counterspell. The design change here isn't intended to fix that. The goal here is they wanted it to account for the capabilities of the target rather than just it. it's an ability check based on the spell level. 
Now the target gets to make a constitution save against the caster's spell DC. So like I cast counterspell, the other guy makes a constitution save. If they pass, nothing happens. If they fail, their spell fizzles, they get to keep the spell slot. I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit more. And and Tyler, you basically gave us the quote. I want to give the, mm-hmm. the full quote. The spell's previous design failed to account for the capabilities of the target, which is rectified by the new design. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> what what you did is you said, I have a spellcaster here, and what I'm going mm-hmm. to do is I'm going to base whether or not you can counter the spell on their ability to eat a rotten tomato. <laughs> that's that's what you've done. You could have used their spellcasting ability. You could have given, uh, like, anything. Why con? Yeah. Hot take. You're both wrong. Um, <laughs> this, so, yeah, you get into a situation where you're fighting against, like, Vecna, who's, like, a demigod. And doesn't matter what spell he's casting or how much better at magic he is than you. If you're like a bard multi-class and you picked bard just so you could get counter spell at the base level, you cast it. Oh, sorry, Vecna. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. And I don't like, I'm not saying we should go back to the Pathfinder way of doing things where counter spell was effectively useless. Mm -hmm. I do think that a, some form of counter spell is good because it does feed into that sort of like, a magic duel sort of thing. So I think this is a good middle ground. Now, the reason why I would say I would argue constitution is a good compromise. First off, if you give it their spellcasting ability, a high level spellcaster, you're never going to be able to counterspell him ever. That's you just might not think a thing. That. No, you might I'm think just that. Gonna... Nope. Hold, you... hold on. You... No, let make, make a game. Uh, uh. All I'm saying is you're thinking have to be... con modifier is better than spellcasting modifier. Well, okay, so the reason I, I haven't gotten to the reason why I think con modifier is better. First off, okay. what do you do concentration checks with? Constitution. 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 Mm-hmm. So okay. that's already baked into the You're system right. as a spellcaster to maintain concentration on your spells. You're rolling concentration checks, which use your constitution. So I feel like with constitution is I'm not saying it's a perfect solution. I'm saying it was a good compromise because either you get into a situation where they're never going to be able to counteract your counterspell or you're never going to be able to counterspell them because either you give them something they're really crappy at, which means that they're never going to make that save or you give them something they're ungodly. Like try counterspelling a lich in that case who have like Mm. 28 like intelligence. Realistically, (laughs) they're never going to fail that save. Whereas with Constitution, there's still a good chance that they can fail that save. And this feeds into the idea of legendary legendary resistances, which I think really helps with Counterspell, like especially with those really legendary hmm. creatures, where if you Counterspell someone, if they fail the save, they can still use their legendary resistance, and that gives them something else to use their legendary resistance on, and it makes them feel like a significant threat. So am I saying that this was a perfect... I have no notes change. No, but I do think it was a good compromise. I like the point about legendary resistances. That's a good point I had not considered. Uh, One thing I did call this out earlier, but it's super easy to miss. When you counter the spell, the caster, if they used a spell slot, they keep the spell slot. Now that is explicitly 100% a giveaway to players. 
So yeah, that is a good change in my opinion. Yeah, because like if you go into an encounter and it's like, oh, there's somebody there countering spells. Well, I guess the wizard doesn't get to have fun today. But like enemy spellcasters, they're not going to last more than a few rounds and then they're gone and they don't care if you countered their spells. They're probably dead. Yeah. So the two big problems that I've found when I've counterspelled players, there's a whole different set of issues when players counterspell me. But the thing that I've run into that causes a lot of hurt feelings when it comes to counterspelling players is one, players don't feel like they have any agency in counteracting the counterspell. They just have to hope the villain rolls bad or that he doesn't have a high enough spell slot where he can just do it without rolling. So at a certain point, they're like, well, if I want to make sure he's not going to counterspell me i have to use like my highest level slots so Mm -hmm. which never feels good and the other the other problem was that it basically wasted your spell slot which Mm -hmm. sucks yeah (laughs) so that always (laughs) caused some arguments and hurt feelings where it's just like oh he can he just has ninth level spells that he can counterspell me and it's like yeah he's a high level wizard i hate this game that's all that was the frequent <laughs> cadence that i would hear where it's just like oh he can just counterspell me cool i'm having fun so at least with this if you have your players rolling a save they at least feel like they have some sort of agency in trying to resist that counterspell and if the counterspell goes through they don't feel like they've wasted their precious resources they've just been set back which i feel like honestly that's a good change all right, given the bounty method 5e, I want to make a counterproposal and see if I can sell you on it. Sure. Let's do an opposing roll, your spell modifier plus the d20 roll, my spell mod- my spell casting modifier. If I cast counterspell at a lower level than your spell, I roll with disadvantage. If I cast it at a higher level, I roll with advantage. That's not bad. I kind of like that. Yeah. I could see that. Like I said, I think there are still I think there are still ways that they can tweak it. I just don't want them to go back to the way it was. I don't want the community because <laughs> I know the community is reacting viscerally to this change and they're like, no, it's I, bad. Go back. I already think this is better. Yeah. Cause I think because I think if they because we've seen Watsu be like, oh, people didn't like that. Well, let's just back up. Please don't put counterspell back to the way it was. It, it was not good. It was my least favorite <laughs> spell in the entire PHB. I hate that freaking spell. It needed a change. And please do not bring it back to the way it was. <laughs> okay. I yeah, I think I think my only gripe with the new design is the constitution modifier or the constitution save. Like I don't I don't like that specifically because it's going to mean yeah. it's even more important for spellcasters to find a way to get proficiency in those saves. So it's like everyone's going to be taking resilient constitution. It's like, oh, the DM knows how counterspell works. I guess I'd better start with one level and fighter or sorcerer so I can get constitution saves. Like, oh, God, that's that's not a fun choice. Yeah, that's what I think. I think I would I think I would rather see. Like whatever your not not your spellcasting modifier, but whatever your the ability modifier associated with spellcasting, mm-hmm. using that as the save for both every monster and every player, it's rewarding for the players and for a lot of monsters. Their spellcasting die is actually mm-hmm. worse than their con save. What if we did something where it was, if someone counterspells you, you make a concentration check and the damage is based off of like whatever spell, like the target DC is based off of whatever level spell you have rather than like 10 or half of the damage that you're dealt. I don't know if that fixes it, but maybe, I don't know. And then Warcaster hmm. would obviously help with that. So, and we see a lot of wizards take Warcaster anyway. So 
I don't know. I think there's ways that you can tweak it to where it's not, it's better. I just think mm-hmm. that relying on a save, having the tar- the target of the counter spell make a save is such way better design than just what it was. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so there's just a couple more tiny things to hit on the way out. Super fast, I promise. All right. So they're still working on on weapon mastery. They're still trying to figure that one out. The uh, the thing where you got to use versatile weapons and get the bigger die, even though you used them one handed, they got rid of that because it was boring and no one was going to use it. Still trying to figure out what to do with those weapons, of course. They snuck in some rules changes that they didn't call out. Uh, they updated invisibility, so if you can see a creature that's invisible, you no longer still have disadvantage to hit them, which, like, rules is intended. Like, I have see invisibility running. There should be no problem seeing this invisible guy, but rules is written. That's not how it worked. Uh, now, they did leave <laughs> in the so problem. <laughs> Yep. They did leave in the problem where really doesn't. Uh, they did leave in the problem where you still can't target the creature if they're invisible if the effect requires you to be able to see them. So, like, I can't target you with a lot of spells. I can see you just fine. I know right where you are. Rules is written. Still can't target you. Sucks, doesn't it? You, you guys um, were so close. You were so uh-huh. close. <laughs> yep. Um, they also uh, they left a footnote in this this is like buried in the world tree barbarian saying that the 2024 player's handbook will clarify and i want to like highlight the word clarify there they will clarify that you can voluntarily fail a saving throw now where in the 2014 player's handbook does it even like whisper imply suggest assume like anything that you can voluntarily fail to save nowhere nowhere exactly (laughs) literally people have been asking i thought you could though nope yeah people have been asking watsy like can we voluntarily fail to save people have been asking since 2014 and they've always said no you can't voluntarily fail to save so like this this little sidebar straight up lying to us very disappointed new wizards of the coast how dare you how dare you I, try to gaslight us? Like, I know, you've never like, done that before. Yeah. Like, I mean, they <laughs> could have just said, like, <laughs> they could have just said the 2024 player's handbook will say that you can voluntarily fail a save. Like, yes, people want that. People want to be able to voluntarily fail saves or fail ability checks. Like, I would like my barbarian to be able to shove me out of the way of something without having to oppose the check. Like, <sighs> anyway, I hope they fix it. But also, cool UA Watsi. Great job. Yeah. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of good stuff in here. Honestly, I, I think all told it was good. Except for what you did to Sorcerer Meta Magic. <laughs> and that <laughs> other thing that we didn't like. That's, not, that, that's, the, that's the particular hill you're, st- you're, you're going to die on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's the worst kind of affront. It's an affront to me. <laughs> Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on RPGBot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. Grumble, grumble, grognard noises. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs>